A Look at the Kingdom of God by Apostle Jacqueline Fedor. Jesus taught us to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So the kingdom of God is not to be established in heaven, but right here on earth. The kingdom is not comprised of one small group of people either, not even a country or countries. It consumes the whole earth and is owned and governed by King Jesus. How, as a spirit, does he accomplish this? Through his body. Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7 tells us his government will be on his shoulders. So he sees the government as the head of his body. And, unlike man's government, this government will have no end. God's government is placed over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice forever. Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 and 7 prophesied, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, Jesus, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. It is eternal. Upon the throne of David, Christ is the seat of David, so are those born again and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Daniel chapter 7 verse 27 prophesies of this kingdom also. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Who are those he will rule through? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 tells us. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says, And he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. In verse 13, we see these vessels are used by him to raise up the body until it is the full stature of Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. If the above are to raise up the body of Christ, Yet Jesus says in John chapter 3 that we can do nothing without him, and we are his workmanship, that it must be Jesus through these offices fulfilling the scripture that tells us it is Christ in us that is the hope of glory. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you the hope of glory. Through this body, not denominations, not ministries, as people refer to individual groups, but through his body, he will regain possession of this planet, restore his people, and actually refurbish the entire earth. People are missing his return and not seeing the kingdom growing 
because you cannot see it with soulish eyes trained by this world, eyes that were opened at the time of Adam and Eve's fall. To truly unite as one body, we must first become one family, one household, have one vision, speak one language, and we accomplish this by choosing to walk in the knowledge of the tree of life. As the world and its churches, culture, and governmental systems begin to self-destruct, God's end-time message to those that love truth will be the stability and foundation that the kingdom of God is established on. Walking in this knowledge and obedience to it will result in faith and miracles will become commonplace. As a side note, faith is a spiritual law, and spiritual law takes precedence over physical law. So what you have faith to believe will overcome the laws that pertain to this realm. That is why Jesus said, Be it unto you as you believe. Faith can overcome the law of gravity, for instance, as Philip was translated. Faith can make the sun stand still or turn a sundial back. Faith will allow us to die in the water at baptism or walk on it if need be. Water can also come out of rocks to quench our thirst. Faith can move mountains, subdue the enemy, meet our every need if we have faith in the authority that is in the name of the Lord. Do we really know him? Do we understand God has a plan for our restoration and the renewal of all things? Have we studied this plan? Can the morning star, Jesus, rise in your heart to give instruction on all occasions to bring victory? Do we trust his power? Do we trust his love? Are we really complete in him? Remember, he is the star that moves the church forward. He is the star that gives us direction and is our hope to become the church triumphant, the glorious church. He is the brilliant star that holds the keys of David and gives eternal light to his kingdom. As his kin, we too are morning stars, or at least those that receive the end-time knowledge and through it are ushered into the eighth day, the new cycle or era of humanity. What exciting times these are! Sadly, much of the church is not even aware of the kingdom or its covenant promises. They are heirs, but they do not know of what. So how can they have the faith to believe for promises they know nothing of? The world, as evil as it is, is more of a reality to most of God's people than God's kingdom. There is good news, however. God is releasing a latter or final reign of truth that is flooding the earth with knowledge from the tree of life. As man's systems crumble, winds of refreshing, carrying a new anointing, are being released to refresh and renew. A fountain of truth has been opened, and God's bride is offering living waters to the tired and weary. If you listen closely, bells of freedom are ringing in the supernatural from Zion. And if you look through the eyes of your spirit, you will see her banners flying and her light shining, lighting the highway to her gates. Her songs will guide and direct you to the king's house, if you will follow their direction. And the family of the Lord will greet you with open arms. Here at last, shalom, safety, 
shelter and peace, rest. Is it really the time for God to subdue evil? Is it time for his kingdom to come and his will to be done? Let me leave you with something to contemplate. Adam and Eve were created towards the end of the sixth creative day, probably around Rosh Hashanah. God rested on the seventh. Now the word says a thousand years are as a day to God. So that would mean Abraham was born the end of the first day of the new week, as he was born 2,000 years after Adam. Jesus was born 2,000 years later, near the end of the third day. 2,000 years after his establishment of the Christian church, towards the end of the fifth day, the old church was rebuked for her hypocrisy, false doctrines, and lies, and her people warned to come out of her. Those that were obedient moved into the sixth day, which was the same day as the original creation. Now look at these numbers. Creative day six, Adam and Eve, equal one physical day. Creative day seven, God's rest, equals two physical days. Creative day one, Abraham, equals three physical days. Creative day two, equals four physical days. Creative day three, Christ, equals five physical days. Creative day four, equals six physical days. Creative day five, end of old church, equals seven physical days. Creative day six, birth of new church, equals eight physical days. So the sixth day overlaps the eighth day. It is now the dawning of the sixth and eighth day. Six stands for man, and eight is symbolic of new beginnings. Get ready. The children of the eighth day are appearing. All creation eagerly waits for them. Romans chapter 8 verses 19 through 23 speaks of this glorious time. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now, ready to give birth to the new earth. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. But it was not in God's plan for the seventh-day creation to experience this. It would be for a generation after them, an eighth-day creation. Now here is food for thought, strictly New Testament. Jesus was born in the year one. It's been 2,000 years or two days to the year 2,000. So we're in the early morning of the third day, as it is 2010. Moses climbed the mountain to receive the law on the third day in the morning. Jesus resurrected from the grave on the third day in the morning. Could it be that the morning star is rising in the hearts of the eighth-day people on the third day in the morning? In closing, 
Are you one that obediently follows the Lord's advice to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven? If so, then I pray you listen to the message the Spirit is speaking to the church today so that you too can become a child of the eighth day and have a part in establishing His kingdom, restoring His people, and possessing and subduing the earth making all things new in fulfillment of God's covenants. I leave you with scripture found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord, so comes as a thief in the night. But when they say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. For a deeper understanding of this material, please refer to the series God Has a Plan, Parts 1-8, through eight in our archives.